What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Make sure you go follow EthosFantasyBB. I know I say it every day here, but that is where all of our podcasts, articles, all of our written work, everything, all of our baseball stuff is at EthosFantasyBB. And of course, at SportsEthos.com as well. You guys can check it out right from the source. We got basketball, hockey, football, baseball. We have everything going on at SportsEthos.com. So please go check it out. Now, today we are going to be getting back to the starting pitching reviews. It has been a while. It's been a couple of weeks. The stove has been very hot. Today, so far, there's been nothing. And I know as I say that, we're probably going to get Rodon and Dansby signing in the next few minutes as I'm recording this. And then maybe we'll pivot and, you know, scrap this and go talk about the signings. But I think unless there's some crazy notifications that pop up on the screen right now, we're going to continue with these SP reviews. That's what I've prepared for. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping there's no Jeff Passan bombs at the moment. Maybe they can come later tonight. But for right now, we're going to get back into the starting pitching reviews from this season. Look a little bit ahead to next year as well, talking about their price for early draft champions. We're filtering out the other drafts that have taken place. We're just looking at the DCs that have gone on. And we're going to start off with Framber Valdez. He was one of my favorite pitchers to roster this season. He wasn't terribly expensive coming into the year, and then he ended up producing one of the best fantasy seasons from a guy who you weren't really expecting to do that. I mean, you're expecting, you know, good, decent things from Framber Valdez, but he gave you a 17 and 6 record, a 282 ERA, and he gave you just above a league average strikeout rate at 23.5%. He was absolutely incredible. Obviously, pitching for Houston, you are going to get more wins than you would just normally pitching for any other team. But when you look at what he was doing every single night, the streak of quality starts that he went on. I believe ended up at about 25 in a row. So if I'm looking at his starts here, uh, April the 19th, he got roughed up by the Angels. He gave up six earned runs. And then he had a quality start every time until September 24th. Every single start from April 19th. and you know, So April 25th, I guess, was the first quality start there. And that streak continued until the end of September, the last quality start, September the 18th. What the hell happened here? Like, that's just so, you know, you wouldn't even expect that from, you know, DeGrom, Scherzer, Verlander, Kershaw in his prime. You, you don't see that from anybody. I believe it's the longest streak in Major League history, and it was incredible to watch. It was incredible to roster. He helped me win my home league. Very grateful to Framber. We'll always remember that. When you look at the pitching indicators, very good. There was nothing too crazy. The 282 ERA was combined there with the uh, XERA of 331. The FIP was 306, 299 XFIP, and his Sierra was 314. All in line with a very good season. In terms of his left on base, BABIP numbers, pretty average as well. 285 BABIP, 75% of runners left on base, both exactly in line with his career numbers. 284 career BABIP, 74.3% left on base. This is right in line with what he does. The ground ball machine that he is, I'm curious what's going to happen a little bit with the shift change because maybe there will be some balls that go through uh, a little bit more than we would have perhaps seen this last year. It's not something I'm really worried about. It's something I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Uh, you know, you can't shift against righties and lefties as much. You can still shift, uh, but you're going to have to be restricted in your shifting. Stay on either side of the bag. Two infielders on either side of second base uh, on the infield and yada, yada, yada. I'm wondering how much that will actually affect him. I think it may have some effect. But, you know, he's for the career 66% ground ball guy. He's gone from 70 to 62, 60, 70, 66. That's who he is. 
I, I just don't know if there's going to be that many more balls sneaking through. I think there might be some chance that he gets hit a little bit worse next season. Like, home runs and stuff, we're not going to worry about that. His homer per nine, 0.49. Uh, just, just incredible. Um, but in terms of what he's going to do for you next season, maybe we see him go down a little bit. Not in terms of that, but in terms of overall uh, the quality of contact will probably be, you know, nothing really to change there. Everything else will be the same. It's just a matter of where the defenders are going to be positioned. So, well, a couple more balls get through, perhaps not a big home run guy. So not something I'm really going to worry about, but definitely something that's going to be in the back of my head. We'll see what ends up happening uh, in terms of his pitches. Pitch mix was relatively similar, although he did work in a cutter this season about 10% of the time, uh, slightly fewer fastballs. Slight, I mean, slightly fewer of everything else. Uh, curveball went from 30% down to 27%, change up from 12 to 8, fastball from 57 to about 53. And then he was working in that cutter. And the cutter, let's just take a look at the values of that pitch. It was actually considered his best pitch according to Fangraph. So maybe we'll see him work that in even more than 10% next year. I am no pitching savant. I used to be a pitcher, but I'm not somebody who can look at it and really evaluate, yes, this the spin rate and, and things like that. That's not really for me. Uh, maybe one day, but in terms of my analytical prowess, I can tell you what Fangraphs is telling us. And the changeup was his best pitch, and all of his pitches had a positive value, which is something that he's pretty much always done. Uh, there's a couple of seasons, especially 2019, his fastball was really bad. And then I believe he started throwing it less and less after that. Yeah, we've seen the percentage go down from his rookie season of 68% fastballs down to 52. Start incorporating more of that cutter, and he'll you know likely have more success going forward if he can keep throwing it the way he's been throwing it. Overall, I really like taking Framber Valdez, and I don't believe he's too expensive. Let's take a look at where his ADP currently sits. 88.9, call it 89. I think that that's fairly reasonable for Framber. Now, maybe you're a little bit worried, uh, like I am, about you know the shifts and what how that will affect him. I don't think it'll affect him so much. You're still talking about a really quality starter on a team that's going to rack up victories. I know that's not something... You can look at too much, but it's still a factor. Uh, he is going to win more games than you he would pitching for Oakland or Washington or Pittsburgh or Detroit or any of those teams. Getting him here as the 37th pitcher off the board, it feels about right. In this area, it's a pretty strong area of pitching. We've already talked about this throughout the offseason in our starting pitching reviews, that the area of about 60-ish down to about pick 100 in terms of pitchers is, is pretty flush. Uh, that's why there's a lot of people preaching the you know, don't take pitching early strategy or take one pitcher and then six or seven hitters and then go back to pitching because this is a really strong range. So it's not like you have to take Framber where you're getting here in the mid-80s, uh, mid to late 80s. There are still good options around him that we have talked about. Uh, someone we're going to talk about later today, I won't spoil the name. We also got his teammate Christian Javier right ahead of him, Tristan McKenzie, Robbie Ray, George Kirby. Uh, it's a pretty good little group of guys going below him and just above him. You got guys like God. Osman, Manoa, Luis Castillo, Zach Gallen. Uh, it's a really good group of pitchers. So he is definitely among them. He's not like, you know, stand out amongst the crowd, fairly average strikeout and walk rate, but he should be able to give you close to 15 wins, 13 to 15 wins uh, with pretty good ratios and, you know, perform at a similar level to what we have seen. Maybe the wins tail off a little bit. 17 is, is a bit much. But, you know, 13 to 15, I, I think that that should be well within the cards considering how good this team is. So no problem uh, drafting Framber Valdez here. Probably around, you know, round six or so if you're talking about a 15-teamer, you're talking about a 12-teamer, probably round seven, round eight area. Uh, totally fine with that. 
Let's talk about Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright is the next guy off the board here. I believe he was the only 20-game winner this year. It's been a while. I'm going to pull up the stats because it's been a while since I've actually looked at that particular sort of thing. But I believe he was our only 20-game winner this season. Let's see. He was. He actually had more wins than anybody else by three. Verlander was second with 18. And then a couple of guys, uh, Urias and Framber Valdez, both with 17. Kyle Wright, 21-5 and record over his first full season in the big leagues. I mean, really his first season at all. 2020, he had eight starts. Last year, he had two starts. This year, he got up to 180 innings, and he was really, really good. The pitching indicators, a little bit higher than his ERA, but nothing to really worry about. 389 XERA, 358 FIP, 330 XFIP, and the Sierra was at 348. No real big concerns there. Uh, in terms of strikeouts and walks, fairly similar to Valdez, about league average, slightly uh, above in terms of strikeouts at 23%. Now, we don't have big sample sizes to go on in his major league career with what he's done in terms of strikeout and walk rate, but in terms of what he did this season, he was able to really improve on his walk. So over the last couple of years, granted, small sample size, but 14%, 14%, 14%, down to 7% this year with walks. Strikeouts for him have hovered around 17, 18, topping out at 19.4 in 2019. Then, you know, 17, 17. This year, close to 24%. When you look at what he did in the minors, typically he was more of a 20-ish kind of percent guy, close to 20 uh, you know, he did have seasons where he was higher than that. Obviously, you know, lower levels of the minors, it's easier to strike guys out. There were some higher numbers there. But over AAA and AA, typically you're looking at like low 20s for him. Uh, it was good to see him get back to that. Walk rates have also kind of jumped around for him throughout the minors, uh, 7, 8, 9%. Uh, he has some worse seasons, obviously, recently, but it's really good to see him have that kind of season at the big league level. It's one thing to get a bunch of wins pitching for a good team because, you know, you're able to go five innings and just get by every time or whatever. But to actually go out there and improve on your numbers like that, you're throwing more strikes, you're throwing fewer balls, and your pitching indicators are, you know, indicative of that poorly executed phrase there, but you guys know what I'm talking about. It's really impressive. You're not just seeing a guy who, you know, stumbled his way to 12 wins and we're going to draft him because, you know, He's pitching for a good team. You draft him because, yes, he's pitching for a good team, but also because he's a very good pitcher who made some strides this season. Uh, his values on his pitches across the board, pretty good. His fastball, not so great. He did throw it less a bit this season, uh, but he did have some increased velocity. Actually, really across the board, he had some increased velocity. Not like crazy, but you know, a tick or two here or there. Uh, his slider went up a couple ticks. I like Kyle Wright quite a bit. I like what we've seen from him. The team factor is huge for me. I don't think he's like an ace, not yet, but I think the team factor combined with what he's done so far puts him into that kind of maybe not necessarily ace conversation, but pretty damn close to it. Like I wouldn't want him as my SP1 necessarily, but I wouldn't like hate it. Uh, if you really want to drive into the hitting, hitting or hitters early strategy and take him as your first pitcher at pick, you know, he's going to pick 109 right now. I wouldn't really recommend it, but I think there's crazier things you could do if you really, really want to take care of hitting in the first six, seven rounds and build out a really strong lineup. Nothing wrong with taking Kyle right here. I'd prefer to have him as my second or third pitcher, but he's really good, and he's going in a range where I really don't mind taking him there. 109, again, it's a good year to wait on pitching a little bit. You don't need to break the bank taking early guys. This range, you know, we were talking about just a slight tick ahead of him in terms of Valdez and his range, like a round. But when you're looking at this range as well, Logan Webb, Kyle Wright, Logan Gilbert, Nestor Cortez, it's a really good range. You don't need to reach on pitching. Uh, you can, you can, 
you can. And I'm going to diversify. I have a few different drafts. Some drafts will go pitching early. Some will wait. But there is a huge sweet spot here. That's been a theme throughout all of our SP reviews and look forwards as well is what you can get for next year at a bit of a relative discount. And considering what he did for you this season, I think this is a, a relative discount for him. He's not amazing, but he is really good. He's pitches for a really good team with a great lineup behind him. And I don't see any problem with, obviously, 21 wins is going to be probably pretty hard to repeat. But 15? I could see 15. Maybe we see that strikeout rate move up, you know, a tick up to 25. Keep the walk rate roughly the same, about 7%. We're going to be cooking with gas, taking Kyle Muller, or Kyle Muller, Jesus. I'm mixing up my my Kyles, my former Atlanta Kyles as well. Uh, Kyle Wright, Kyle Muller is now a member of the Oakland A's. No, Kyle Wright is somebody that I'm I'm very confident in taking here, and I think you guys should be too once you get to roughly this range. Maybe SP1 is, is a little bit strong, but overall, uh, very, very happy to take him around here. Next guy up is Zach Wheeler. I'm a big Zach Wheeler guy. I love the volume that he gives you pretty consistently almost every year. Again, we've talked about how that can be a little bit... Eh, it's not always indicative of what you're going to do next year. Uh, just because you had a great year this year, uh, you could very easily... In, in terms of games played, you could very easily have some kind of injury just because you play a bunch. Doesn't mean you're you're not going to, or I should say... Just because you play a bunch in the years prior doesn't mean you're going to play a bunch this season. Uh, excuse the, the poor phrasing there. Zach Wheeler has always typically been there. Uh, obviously, he did go through Tommy John surgery. I believe it was 2014 he went through it, and then he did miss like a couple of seasons. Uh, but he's, you know, aside from that, and even looking at that, he's always been a good pitcher. A uh, couple of, okay, take away 2017. Take away the short sample of, of 2017 when he was first back. Other than that, he has always been a really, really strong pitcher that you can rely upon for fantasy and, of course, for real life, too. Uh, his career ERA is 342. The indicator is 338 for the FIP, 360 for the XFIP. He's really, really reliable, and he gets you some strikeouts as well with a very low walk rate. I shouldn't say some strikeouts. I mean, 26.7% this year, 29% last year. Very good strikeout numbers coming out of him with an incredibly low walk rate. For the career, 7.4% over these last three years, 56 5.4, 5.6. And if you go even farther back, another year, 6.0%. Always keeping runners off of base, relatively speaking. Getting you decent win totals, nothing crazy. Between his time with the Mets and the Phillies, he's usually averaging you know, between 10 and 12 wins per season. It was 12 this year. It was 14 last year. Again, there's no, there's not really so much depth I can give you about Zach Wheeler. I think that maybe he might be a touch overdrafted and a touch overrated for fantasy in terms of where he's going. Pick 46. I had him roughly in this range when I did my early rankings. And I think part of it, it comes from the fact that there's just so many pitchers as you go down the board, you don't need to really reach for a guy like Wheeler. Like in the third, fourth round, I don't know that I'd love it. His min pick is 29 in the second round. I definitely don't love that. I think at this price, as much as I like him, I don't know that I'd really want to be taking him here. I think it's fine, but I, I would be more inclined to wait a round or two and get yourself Carlos Rodon or get yourself, you know, like we talked about, Manoa and Gosman. Uh, I think they're pretty comparable. Like Kevin Gosman, I am going to have ranked very similarly to Wheeler, if not even a little bit ahead, once I got my rankings out there. I would I would imagine Gosman is going to come in a, a touch higher. And he's going about 20 picks later. And, of course, that's my opinion. That's A lot of people wouldn't share that opinion. Maybe they would. I don't know. But I think that at this price, it's a little bit rich for my tastes. 
Uh, his numbers in terms of like Babbitt left on base, pretty pretty average. 287 Babbitt this year, 77 left on base percentage. Uh, 297 Babbitt for the career, 74 left on base. Pretty regular, pretty average. The strikeouts are good, but we've also seen them kind of bounce around a little bit. Like as, as you know, as nice as 29% was last year, he was down to just below 27 this year. Maybe he goes back up. Maybe he doesn't. That arm has been surgically repaired. I don't know if that plays a factor here at all. I mean, he was never a huge strikeout guy even before that, 23, 24. He's been better since, but I don't know the trajectory that we're heading there necessarily after, you know, the short season was 18% and then 29 and 26. Now, you can't really hold that against him. We're talking 11 starts in the short season. But I just don't really have the kind of certainty with Zach Wheeler that I would with some of the guys going around him. So as much as I like him... He's going to be more more in the fade category, I think. The more I look at it, 46, it just feels a little bit rich to be taking him end of the third, beginning of the fourth. If he slips a little bit maybe and you can get him somewhere in the mid-50s around that Rodon, Shane Bieber range, then I'd like it a little bit more. But at cost right now, and that's you know that's the average. It's the average draft pick. Some people are getting him ahead of that. Some people are taking him probably 41, 42, 43. I, I can't really get behind him there. Uh, as much as I do like him as a pitcher. But let's move on. We are going to talk about Woody, Brandon Woodruff. I really like Woodruff. He had a tough start to the season. A couple of podcasts that I did were centered around not just him, but talking about buy lows and sell highs and whatnot. He was a pretty clear buy low uh, at the beginning of the season. His ERA in April, 530. In May, it was 432. And then uh, the rest of the season, he was really good. The first half ERA overall was 393. Second half was 238. He really turned his season around, and you know he gave you pretty much what you would expect from from Brandon Woodruff over the course of the entire season: a 13 and four record, a 305 batting average, or next not a batting average, earned run average, <laughs> 305 earned run average, a 315 xERA, 308 FIP, 314 xFIP. It was a really strong season for him, and he actually gave you his highest K per nine that he's ever given you. Just shy of his highest strikeout percentage. It was 30.6. He's only walking 6.8% of batters. You got to feel very confident in Brandon Woodruff, even at the price of 31.89. Uh, he is he is just consistent. And yes, he had a couple of bad months to begin the season. That can happen. A, overall, course is generally correct with a guy who is as talented as Woodruff is. We know how good he is. They're not usually going to be bad for that long. And we saw him turn it around. Some people may be worried going into next year, what if that happens again? If that happens again, then you buy low on him again. Because I don't think that there's any long-term concerns about Woodruff, considering the team, considering you know everything, considering what he does, his age. Uh, I, I can't see him really doing too much worse than, you know, the projections are, are pretty conservative, 347 ERA. Like, that would be, like, about as bad as you could possibly expect from Brandon Woodruff. We're talking about Steamer there, 347. I think you're probably looking at low threes with about a 30% strikeout rate, a cent walk rate, and he's going to win you 12, 13 games again, probably. You know, 10 to 12, 10 to 13 range. That's totally within the acceptable, reasonable outcome for Brandon Woodruff. No problem here. Even though it's a little bit pricey at pick 31, he's going as the sixth starting pitcher off the board, uh, eighth pitcher overall, of course, Edwin Diaz, Emmanuel Clase just ahead of him. I still think I'd like it. Now, not to say that there's not guys below him that I don't like more, but if you're getting to the beginning of the third round and you're taking Woodruff as your SP1 or your SP2, or perhaps, who knows, depending on strategy, maybe your SP3, I'm totally fine with it. I think that it's a good price. Shane McClanahan's going just below him. 
I might prefer Shane McClanahan. They're literally like exactly the same pretty much for ADP. I might prefer McClanahan, but we're splitting hairs there essentially. Uh, I'm I'm totally cool with Woodruff in this range. A couple guys more we are going to talk about here today. One guy who is a teammate of McClanahan, and it's actually Jeffrey Springs. He's somebody I still don't really know exactly how to feel about. I like Jeffrey Springs. I think he's good. But he was also really lucky this season. And we have to look at the left on base percentage, which was 82%. For a lot of the season, it was even higher than that. It was really, and I'm going to pull up the first and second half splits because the first half was just stupid. Uh, he left 92.5% of runners on base while allowing a 266 Babbitt. Second half, 75% of runners on base. Now, I don't believe he really fell off in the second half. In fact, his ERA was just a touch better. But overall, he was lucky this season, and it's something where, you know, there's a few, there's a multiple things you have to look at. It's the Rays. The Rays tend to know what they're doing with pitching. They don't tend to overwork the guys. They're, I mean, there's been Rays pitchers who get injured, not typically because of that, but they, they tend to know how to develop pitching. And they took Jeffrey Springs, who was, you know, a relative nobody, relief pitcher. He had stints in Texas, stints in Boston. Last year, he was in Tampa as a reliever. He was fine. And they turned him into a starter who was actually really exceptional. Now, will he do this next year? I doubt it. A 246 ERA, I'm really doubting it. If you look at the pitching indicators, 327 X ERA, 304 FIP, 329 X FIP, and a 332 Sierra. Not like it's bad. Like, if he hit those indicators, I think we'd be really happy. But, you know, you can't be expecting another elite kind of season from him. First of all, not even first of all, another point is you have to look at the innings. And he wasn't giving you that many innings. It was 135. When you look at what he's done in the minors, it's about what he's topped out at. I believe that is his highest actual pitching total over one season, 135. Will he give you, I don't know, what's he going to give you next season? 150? 160? Is it going to be 135 again? It's not going to be 200. He's projected for 141 on steamer. It feels about right. 374 ERA. These I mean, I'm not a big steamer guy. If you guys saw my videos on Steamer, my podcast on Steamer, I'm not big on them. I'm not crazy about looking at them specifically for pitchers. I think there's just something a little off with it. Some I'm not sure. And again, I'm not mathematical. I'm far from a genius. Maybe they're great. I don't know. But looking at them, I don't see them as being that accurate as a whole. With that being said, uh, this seems pretty right on for Springs. A 374 ERA, uh, some regression with the strikeout total expected. Probably start walking a few more batters. Uh, 5.6%, really, really low. Uh, he typically been a bit higher, 7 plus percent for his career. Maybe he's able to maintain that, but I think that we have to look at the fairly low bat, but 279, which is not crazy low, but relatively low. Uh, and an 82% left on base for the season, specifically in that first half, and think, what exactly is Jeffrey Springs? He's not a fireballer. He's more of a precision guy. He throws three pitches. He throws a fastball, a slider, and a changeup fairly equally. 40% fastball, 25 on the slider, 35 on the change. Not overpowering. He's kind of a finesse guy who has all right pitches. I mean, the changeup is his best pitch. Fastball, slightly negative value. Changeup, very good value, uh, plus 10.2 in terms of his Fangraph's uh, pitch value this season on the changeup. It was a very good pitch. Can he replicate that year in and year out? I'm not sure. He took a couple miles per hour off the changeup for what it's worth. Uh, his mile, his velocity a little bit weird this season. So the fastball went down a couple ticks, changeup went down a couple ticks, and the slider went up a couple ticks. So I'm not really sure what to make of that going forward. And in terms of him as a whole going forward, I'm really not sure either. 167 is his early ADP. 
I feel pretty indifferent about him at that price. I don't think it's, you know, egregiously high or low. I think it's probably about okay. The 68th pitcher off the board. Looking at that range, I think I, eh, I'm i just fine with it. I don't feel strongly one way or the other. Uh, below him, you got guys like Lance McCullers, Charlie Morton, Brady Singer, John Gray. I'm probably just as comfortable with all those guys. Uh, Morton, I'm still a little bit shaky about. I'm not sure, just mostly because of age. But probably more comfortable with those guys. If you go ahead of him, you got Tony Gonsolin, who I'm going to be likely avoiding. Chris Sale is another avoid. Luis Garcia, I like. Bassett, I think I'm probably taking over Springs. Yeah, I would take Bassett over Springs. He's not somebody you get to this range and you think, yeah, Springs is here. I got to take him. It's more of a if you really need pitchers and these other guys are off the board, then I'd be more inclined. I'm not, I'm not such a big Springs fan. I think we're going to see some regression. I think we'll still see a fine year, probably a mid threes to low threes ERA with fairly average strikeout and walk numbers. I wouldn't expect the world from him. I just think he's fine. Tampa knows what they're doing. Generally, they're not going to go out there and you know blow him out or you know send him for seven innings every single night kind of thing. Uh, I would expect him to be more of a five, six inning guy like he was this season. Probably have decent mid tier value. Uh, and you know if you're talking like a ten team, twelve team league, he'll he'll be drafted. But I don't know that he's going to necessarily be on your rosters the whole year. Specifically in a ten, like in a twelve team league, maybe he will be. But I would not be surprised at all to see him be churned out on the waiver wire after a couple of bad starts to begin the year. Because he's just not somebody where you have a really high floor with him. You don't have that per-inning upside of strikeouts. Wins are going to be hit or miss because of his duration of of, of outing. It could be five innings. It could be four. It could be six. Uh, you, you don't really know what you're going to get out of him. So, uh, again, for the most part, I'm indifferent. But if I had to say one way or the other, I'm probably fading him here at pick 167. One more guy we are going to talk about today, and I don't think we've gone too long today. No, fairly fairly average length episode. I like to keep them roughly a half an hour here, a little bit longer for some of them uh, in the offseason. One more guy we're going to talk about here, Joe Musgrove. Another guy that I really like. I think that he is really consistent. You generally know what you're going to get out of him innings-wise and also production-wise for the career 379 ERA, and that's pretty weighted by the early years, a uh, couple in Houston, a couple in Pittsburgh, where he was not that great, you know, the first full season he had as a starter I guess well it's, it depends on how you look at it 2017 he threw more than 100 innings he started 15 games uh 100 and what was the inning total there 109 innings uh over 15 starts 38 games it was a 477 ERA 2018 he had a 406 ERA over 19 starts and then 2019 31 starts in a 444 ERA not very impressive uh, the short season in Pittsburgh in 2020 was pretty good. Eight starts, 386 ERA, and his indicators were very low in that 2020 season. Now, these last two years, he has, and you know, another thing about the 2020 season was his strikeout rate went from roughly eight and a half strikeouts per nine to over 12. In 2020, you can't really look at that as being indicative of, of much. It was such a short, set, uh, short stretch. He started eight games. He threw 39 innings. But something changed for him that year, and since he's been really good. Last year, eleven and nine with a three eighteen ERA. This year, ten and seven with a two ninety three ERA. Strikeouts did go back down a touch. You know that thirty three percent strikeout rate that he had in twenty twenty. I don't think we're ever going to see that again. But he was at twenty seven percent last year, twenty five percent this year, and he has lowered his walk rate over the last three seasons from nine point six to seven point two down to five point seven percent. And those indicators 
pretty in line with what he has done. A little bit ahead of him, a, uh, a little bit above them, I should say, but nothing crazy. The 293 ERA, 327 XERA, 359 FIP, 347 XFIP, and his Sierra was 345. Nothing crazy, uh, you know, for the career. Those indicators pretty much right in line with what he is able to do. Now, I really like San Diego. I've made no secret about that. I Before, you know, the Xander Bogart stuff in the offseason, if you guys were listening to these podcasts at the beginning of the offseason uh, and in the playoffs, I suppose it was the fantasy offseason, uh, they were my pick to win the World Series for next year. I think that San Diego is going to win the World Series. They are my – and that was before we had Xander, before we really knew what was going to happen. Um, you know, they had Soto at that point, obviously. But I, I'm, I'm really liking what we're seeing – from them uh, so far for next season. The rotation is maybe missing one piece, but their lineup is ridiculous. The bullpen should be really good. And Musgrove is arguably going to be the ace of that staff. Right now, Hugh Darvish technically listed as the one, but between him, Musgrove, and Snell, and also you got Nick Martinez, uh, I really like what we're seeing there. I think Musgrove is is a safe draft pick, and I, I don't think that there is much really much concern that I have about him step, taking a step back or, or whatever. I think that he is he's a really safe pick also going in that range. He was the name I didn't want to like give away uh, at the beginning of the show when talking about Framber. He's going in that same range, pick 78, and I think it makes total sense for him around there. I feel like it's a pretty decent bargain. He's the 31st pitcher off the board. I'm not sure what that is in terms of starters. Probably about, 24, uh, about 25, I think, maybe... I mean, roughly 25 starters deep is where you're finding Musgrove. And I think that that's correct. Like, I think that that's good value on a guy who, granted, doesn't give you a ton of wins over these last few years, but that's something that could change. I think this team is going to be really, really good. Not something you can really predict that easily, but, you know, 12, 13 wins, something like that. You're getting above a league average strikeout rate, but somewhere between 25 and 27, I think, is what you could probably expect out of him. About a 6% walk rate, which should in turn lead to a decent whip over these last couple of seasons. 1.08, 1.08 in both of them. I think you should be able to repeat somewhere at least like around a 1.1 whip. You know, like we said, good strikeout numbers, decent wins, good team around him. Uh, Everything for me looks to be pretty okay in taking Joe Musgrove around pick 78. I think that that's a really good bargain. It's honestly terribly disappointing to look at his page and just to be reminded that he was drafted by the Blue Jays. That is something that I don't really remember. Um, you know, I, I don't think he ever pitched for us. Uh, yeah, he never actually pitched for the Jays. We drafted him. And then, God help us, I don't know what we did. Uh, what did the Jays do? He committed to play baseball for San Diego State. He signed with the Blue Jays. Oh, you know what? He was part of the J.A. Happ trade from 10 years ago, from 2012, more than 10 years ago now, uh, summer of 2012. He was traded with Francisco Cordero and Ben Francisco, minor league prospect Asher Wojciechowski, I believe. I believe it's a Polish name. I'm going to butcher that one. Apologies. David Rollins and Carlos Perez and a player to be named later. Blue Jays got Jay Happ, Brandon Lyon, and David Carpenter. Well, Jay Happ had some good seasons in Toronto. I mean, he had a 20-win season. He was, you know, a very good pitcher. A couple of different stints in Toronto. He's an all-star. He won a World Series. Not with us, obviously. A uh, good pitcher. 
very disappointing to see that we had Joe Musgrove, though. It's not something that's, you know, Noah Syndergaard is always like, yeah, Blue Jays drafted him. He was a Blue Jay. I, I don't think we really talk about it as much with, with Joe Musgrove. And I know a lot of you guys listening couldn't give a shit about the Blue Jays any more than any other team. But I am from Toronto. I'm a little bit of a homer, as you guys are probably well aware of at this point. So that one does sting a little bit. But overall, Musgrove, for me, uh, very confident taking him in that same range of pitchers that we've talked about, that's kind of the sweet spot for this year. Between about pick 60 and pick 100, uh, that's where he's going, or that's where these guys are going. He's at 78, and I think any of them really uh, make really good choices here if you want to wait on pitching a little bit. But guys, that will do it for us. Four starting pitcher shows down. I really appreciate you guys continuing to check out the pod and bearing with me as we had all this hot stove news these last couple of weeks. It might heat up again a little bit, but most of the players have signed now, most of the important ones anyway. Uh, there'll be some news trickling in. We'll do shows when Correa, or not when Correa, when Rodon and Swansby, Swansby, Jesus, I can't find my words. When Carlos Rodon and Dansby Swanson sign, we will, of course, dedicate a pod to that, depending on how far apart they are. Uh, we will talk about that, but we are going to continue here with SP Reviews. Leading up into relief pitcher reviews, of course, I'm going to be joined by Greg Jewett at some point. We're not still figuring out a time and date, likely closer to the new year, if not in the new year. But we have a few uh, episodes left still dedicated to pitching. If you guys are into pitching, I hope you guys will check them out. Check out the previous episodes we've done as well. We've gone over every single position in fantasy going back. Starting, I think we started right when the season ended. And of course, if you want to go like back to you know the, the first episodes of the offseason, Patrick Davitt and Chris Torres, of course, they came on to talk about pitching and hitting in general, not so specific. And those episodes were at the beginning of October. Really good stuff. I hope you guys will go check all of it out if you haven't already. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99, J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99, and Ethos Fantasy BB. That is where all of our stuff is posted out from podcast articles, all the written work that we do, everything baseball-wise ethos fantasy bb and get it from the source at sportsethos.com guys i hope you enjoy your night tomorrow we are going to be doing episode 200 of the show nothing special planned but i hope you'll join me for it take care everybody cheers You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.